0: here we are folks the music take it in ladies and gentlemen here we are theology on mission podcast i don't even know what year it is does it really matter nope no here we are folks take in that music this is a. Uh... I don't even know what the name of this song is, I don't know sometimes I feel like if I were in the middle of the day and I was having a downer, if I could just find this music,
1: <laughs> everything would be okay again. The person who wrote it probably doesn't know that we even use it. And we don't want them to know because <laughs> we don't want to get sued. Yeah, <laughs> copyright infringement. <laughs> okay, let's take it in just uh, a little longer. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's like a fine wine. Just let it go. Now, how you doing, Mike
0: Moore? How are you doing with the...
1: Uh with your life right now. My life is great. Really? Yeah. Uh, you want to give us any details? Um, Gosh, how personal are we going to get here? Well,
0: this is a podcast, you know, and we've got a big audience, all of about oh, 52 people.
1: <laughs> 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 maybe 53. I think my mom started listening. Hey, Thanks, right. Marilyn. Maybe you be, hey, maybe you better be careful as to what you reveal on the radio. Yeah, just saying that there's uh, a few relationships in my life, one in particular that I'm very excited about. And is this a. Re- well, I don't like to call. No, yeah. I, th- I don't
0: like to call them romantic relationships. Yeah. I don't like to is call this them romantic relationships. I not like relationship. call them romantic
1: relationships either. It is significant.
0: A significant covenantal possibility? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that's what they should well, start calling them. <laughs> okay.
0: I hope she's not listening right now, ladies I hope and gentlemen. So too. If she is, oh, I apologize for what I just said there yes. by putting them on the spot like that.
1: Ugh. So what, what's the topic for today, Mike Moore? What are we going to Talking do? about an article from the Gospel Coalition. Your favorite website? My favorite website. Three beliefs some progressive Christians and atheists share.
0: Yeah. Uh, three beliefs some progressive... Oh, okay, so the implication here is... So l- let me just start from the beginning. There is... This is by Alyssa Childers, I think. Childler, Childers. Ch- Childers. Childers or Childers. Childers, and and she's a Christian artist. And Alyssa, I apologize for butchering your name, if Mm -hmm. indeed I just did that. But here's the idea that um, she's she's making a case that fundamentalist evangelicals move to progressive evangelicals or progressive Christians, and it's a slippery slope because the next move is you become an atheist very or, slippery or you become another way to put that entirely secular mm. and so that, by the way this is really important for me is what is happening today amongst millennials and youngers yes. as they rebound from maybe fundamentalist evangelical megachurch a very um, uh, a form of Christianity which they accuse of lack of authenticity and uh, uh, copping to a, an affluent culture, and they move towards progressive Christianity, and it's happening. Yeah. And there's a lot of anger and or antagonism and or defining myself as I am not
1: that. Yes. Have you seen this happen? Yes. Do you see this happen? At I. S-
0: are you kidding me? I see it happen all the time. Some. Did it happen in your life at yes,
1: all? Yes. This is the history of my life. Okay, that, that that's a little extreme. 2000. When did um, Brian McLaren start publishing his books?
0: Well, the big one was 2003. Yeah. So I was um, in
1: college when... A New Kind. Yeah, when the New Kind Christian. trilogy came out. And I've had several close friends move from conservative Christianity to progressive Christianity. But the most I've seen this is the last 10 years of working with college students.
0: And you want to remind people that you were a pastor Mm -hmm. of a church on the campus of a large university, Loyola in Chicago, which, sure, it's a Catholic university, but in large ways, it's a secular
1: university. Absolutely. We have about 100 students in that church, and I would estimate roughly 50 to 60% come in as evangelicals. They are the kids from... Willow Creek, megachurch, Young Life, group, going to Awana, listening to Christian music. And four years later, they've moved to a pretty progressive form of Christianity. And then through their 20s... Progressive
0: form of Christianity is defined as what?
1: So, well, she defines it here as... Actually, I highlighted it for our conversation. Yeah, Alyssa defines it as... Well, I'm not going to find the quote, but no. oh, wait, here we go. However, progressive Christians tend to reject the historic biblical understanding of marriage and sexuality, and generally deny or redefine doctrines such as the atonement and biblical authority.
0: Yeah, so there we have, I would say, in three easy categories: biblical authorities redefined, yep. uh, soteriology or the atonement is redefined, and various cultural issues. Uh, become ac- accommodative towards, in her example, yeah. of sexuality. Um, that defines what a progressive is. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's a descriptor. Even yeah, I, I
1: think it's. I think it's descriptive. She what she doesn't address is what is the impetus for people becoming progressive. Well, it it's addressed slightly, and if you follow the links in the article, it gets addressed a little more. But mo- mostly, it's because. Um, somebody has an encounter with somebody of a different religion, and they find out, hey, this person's not terrible. You know, my, my Or they mo- have an
0: encounter with somebody of an alternative sexual uh, yes. orientation. Oh, one. this person is not evil. Right. Experience, uh, dry, uh, an experience uh-huh. or let's call it an encounter uh, with somebody who is not me, who does not believe me, turns out
1: not to be what we had described them to be. Or you find out that, that scripture is not this vacuumed, book that was zapped down from heaven uh you learn some historical criticism you learn that the bible was compiled in a canon by humans and all of a sudden this undermines the entire foundationalism of your your faith And,
0: and for me by the way the issue here that's being exposed is the lack of the way our churches especially our evangelical fundamentalist churches have prepared people disciple them in such a way yeah. as to be dialogue engagers with the culture instead it's a very defensive uh, christianity It's not capable
1: of of engaging and being threatened by or, or questioned yeah so we have to defend christianity and there's a lot of that language actually in this article we need to defend christianity we need to prepare our kids for this new reality the world is hostile
0: yeah and so now folks uh le- let me just put it out there pastors leaders youth leaders parents anybody anybody in the church we need to understand these dynamics of what's going on in our culture especially for a lot of church planters that i know because we're getting a lot of hurt angered broken confused disenchanted ex evangelicals seeking a christianity because they know enough to know this matters yeah. and find their place within the within the christian life and we need to be able to know what to do with this so let me just let me just take a little um, more out of Alyssa's article here mm-hmm. she uh gives several good examples I think it's great that she gives all these examples, like the Gungers, Lisa and Michael Gunger. Michael's the son of a famous megachurch pastor.
1: They are musicians.
0: She gives Science Mike, you know, from what's that Liturgist Uh, podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, Gunger and Science Mike are on the Liturgist podcast. Yes.
0: Bart Ehrman. Oh, yes. I love this guy. He was a Moody grad, a Wheat Bible grad. He was the ultimate um, paragon of. evangelical fundamentalism he starts digging in at princeton finds out uh all he was taught at these places i don't want to blame wheaton but maybe i want to blame moody but (laughs) but not even well never mind i love you moody but you know now um we have these now he's he's atheist teaching biblical studies ancient uh, history. Yeah, he's fascinating. He's a
1: fascinating study.
0: And and the amazing thing is, he publishes these books that absolutely <laughs> no one cares about, who has been studying the Bible at all in these disciplines right, for thirty right. years. It's but but he confusing. but he aims them at fundamentalists who still believe this stuff right, in yeah, the way yeah. in the way they were brought up, and he shocks them all. And oh my goodness, what am I going to do with yeah. this? Well, actually, a lot of us have moved beyond some right. of these right. more primitive ways of understanding,
1: scripture. defensive ways of understanding Scripture. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Derek
1: Webb, Derek Webb, uh, the lead singer of Cademan's Call, no longer.
0: I, I was I was kind of surprised at his narrative. I did not know that he'd gone yeah. atheist. Did he go? Yeah, or?
1: yeah, atheist. I remember early early two thousands he started doing some writing and some music making that was questioning his faith. And he he was married to another prominent Christian singer songwriter, and he w- is now chronicling his two divorces, his personal oh, divorce man. and his divorce from the faith. So. Um, It sounds like a a story filled with a lot of pain. Yeah. And then we have Jen Hatmaker and Rachel Held Evans. I don't
0: think she mentioned. Did she mention those two? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, um, folks, and and I was just telling somebody the other day, okay, now we're going to get into these three issues, authority of Scripture, soteriology, or how we think about salvation, and cultural engagement. We're going to get into these in a minute. But I was just saying that I, I was at the Cole Falls College and I was talking to a few professors that Rachel Hell Evans doesn't make sense to me until I l- dig a little deeper and realize she lives in Dayton, Tennessee.
1: <laughs> Ex- explain that. Because you think she's reacting?
0: Well, but Dayton, Tennessee, in, in kind of the rampant Southern Baptist fundamentalist okay. ways of understanding scriptural authority, or soteriology, or for that matter, you cultural know. engagement. Yeah, I get why she's so mad, and I get why she's writing these things that a lot of us were dealing with seriously. 40 years ago, if you're that old, you're you're kind of not. I'm 35. You were probably thinking these things when you were three years old, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, when I was. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh.
1: But uh, but
0: really, uh, this comes out of a space that some of us haven't lived in a long, long time. And so we're going, why are you writing that stuff? That's over. Do you think 50 that she? Old?
1: Do you think if she lived in like Pacific Northwest or on the East Coast, she wouldn't have as
0: and been in a church that wasn't articulating yeah. these yeah. things? But
1: I I just don't think she would. Be able to write the same way, no. yeah, because she has a co- she has an audience there, yeah, or she's, she's re- reacting largely to the culture that she's and and in. having said that, let me just give kudos to Rachel Held Evans. There are a lot of
0: millennials, mm-hmm. even in Chicago. And, oh yes, and uh, who have gone through what she's gone through and need somebody to read to help them get through it. I'm just like a little surprised by me. That I have, uh, that I'm so far removed, I haven't been doing that kind of work for people. Right, <laughs> right. Which yeah. is kind of, you know, humbling, uh-huh. and I must repent. Yes, you know, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, so, yeah I do get it. So really, there is the 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 uh, instance of Rachel Hall Evans, for instance. Tells us there is ministry to be done. Absolutely. Amongst the millennials and younger who are coming out of either evangelical fundamentalist churches with structures of epistemology, that means how you know authority, and structures of a soteriology, how you know you're saved, structures of, how, of culture engagement that are really 1950s, 60s defensive, wow. and they just are getting whacked by culture like a two-by-four right between their eyes, and <laughs> they don't know what to do. Nope. And we need to minister there.
1: Yeah, and, and and they go to the internet to find what to do.
0: Or read books by Rachel Held Evans right. and Jenna Hacker. Or, or,
1: or, or blog posts. And we're not saying people shouldn't be on the internet. Hopefully you're on the internet. That's why you're going to listen to this. But there are, there are not, well, th- this is later for our conversation, but there really aren't local communities of practice who are discerning these things together. Right. Hold that for later.
0: Right. All right. So um, tell us the three things that uh, uh, Alyssa says um, progressive Christians and atheists have in
1: common. Number one, they yeah. may adopt a belief that the Bible is unreliable. Side note, I don't, th- th- this article doesn't really deal with what atheists believe. It It's more of an article that's dealing mostly with what progressive Christians believe, Um So they may adopt a belief that the Bible is unreliable. Um, I think that they is mostly pointing towards progressive Christians. Yeah, like Rob Bell, Peter Enns, She Calls
0: on, Mm -hmm. Rachel Held Evans. And, and, you know, okay.
1: Um, Number number two? Number two. They may have an unresolved answer to the problem of evil, which that's a lot of Christians. Um, That's not just progressive Christians. Um, I think that's Christians of all of all kinds just read the book of job okay number three they may affirm a culture adapting morality Uh, saying that uh, progressive christians will bend their morality to whatever is culturally trending or whatever is culturally relevant so those are the three so um typically
0: out of a reformed perspective not classical reformed. Let's call it neo-reformed. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, and not to be confused with neo-Calvinist, but we won't get into that right <laughs> now. Maybe we can have a podcast on that. <laughs> but um, typically, say, a John Piper yeah. will respond to these three issues how?
1: Well, I, I think of this line that she writes here. We need to thoughtfully and intelligently interact with questions of faith with compassion and clarity so there's a focus on thoughtfully intelligently getting the right answers sticking them in your brain mm. to react to the questions. Yes. Is that is that what you're thinking? That's what well, I'm thinking. Well, I don't see Get anything the right belief, uh, get the right doctrine. I don't see anything
0: Okay. Are you saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? I'm
1: not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying that's how the, that's how they respond. Yeah. I don't know if that's such a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know if clarity is such a bad. Well, thing. I, I, I I don't think clarity is a bad thing, but I think just trying to jam the right doctrine into somebody's head. Oh, you, you have questions about uh, evil? Well, here here's a doctrine. I'm gonna shove it in your brain. I'm gonna mm-hmm. beat down your experience until you can't feel it anymore. Just believe this. Just a, just a yeah. send this doctrine, and it's all solved.
0: So, what you you as a pastor? You, this is what you used to do to students all the time you'd Absolutely sit them in the room not. and go you're you're an idiot I wish I would have done that you're more you're an idiot turn on your tape recorder i'm going to give you three easy <laughs> answers and then get the heck out of here as fast as you possibly yeah, can here's I, a systematic theology I got book. 500 people more behind you what, next what what, next. Would you, what would
1: you really do uh well i would sit and i would I, I would mostly ask them questions as to like why why these questions are important to them or what what is eliciting these questions oh Right, so somebody somebody comes to me and says, "Well, I, you know, I'm I'm really confused. My my Muslim roommate is a really nice person." Um, I'm like, oh, okay, um, now, like, what is that bringing up in you? Like, wh- what's that surfacing? I'm not trying to be a counselor, by the way. I'm not trying to be a therapist, but w- what I want to do is I want to. You would get
0: make a terrible therapist. so I would That's be, a good move. I would be
1: awful, but I would make better <laughs> money. Um, I want to get I want to get behind like wh- what is underneath the questions that they're asking.
0: Yeah, because there is something really really important going on here. And we we first have to ask why this is important. So I just think that's great. Uh uh a great uh, initial response. What would you do? Well, um I would okay, uh I'm not prepared to answer okay. that question. Okay. Right now. Um <laughs> my later. mind my mind is going off of what you just said in a different direction, yeah. because F- I think if, it. I think if if you weren't yourself and you were John Piper, you would give three um, very, very direct answers. And it would be like a double down move. Yeah. OK, yeah. you're questioning authority. Scripture. Well, I'm going to double down on that. Right. It's not only authority. It's you better yeah. believe in authority. It's five times more yeah. important for yeah. you to believe in authority right. or else you go into hell. Yeah. Power oh. up. Power up. The sovereignty of God. How dare you doubt <laughs> yeah. the sovereignty of God? Right. Yes, he just wiped out in the genocide fifty thousand people in Canaan in the book of Joshua. You just better accept that. Right. Because right. if the minute you go down the slippery yeah. slope to atheism and secularism, you're done right. for and you're gonna become one of those yeah, people. Look out. <laughs> And then and then, you know, with culture, everything is is rather black and white. Right. Bible says this. Get yourself yep. in line. And there's no room. There's no room for sorting out and extending the gospel and the, the uh, narrative of Scripture and who Jesus is and what he's doing into the rest of the world. So I think that these these are um, problems. So I was going to actually talk about how I think we can give three alternative. I think we have Let's to work it. out three alternative ideas. But the main thing, if I can just say, and I want you to talk with me about this for a little bit. Alyssa Ch- Childers. Childers implies that you go from a fundamentalist evangelical to a progressive evangelical, that that's going to be a slippery slope, and the next move is secular atheist.
1: Right. Yeah. She doesn't actually spell out the fundam- or the evangelical conservative to the progressive evangelical, but but it's there. You and I are seeing it because if you know people like Gunger or Bart Ehrman, you recognize that they were first of all evangelical fundamentalist. But mm-hmm. she's saying to go from there to progressive Christianity to atheism is just this really slippery slope. Yes. We have to stop that.
0: And and that's why you have to be very afraid and stop it. Be and, very and, afraid. And, and just double down, in my <laughs> words. Uh, I want to suggest that's a complete misread of the situation. Because? I want to suggest that what's happened here is the epistemological, theological frames, you know, the inerrancy of Scripture, the sovereignty of God— Uh, that there's one monolithic culture and Christianity drives it Mm -hmm. and should influence it to change and be like us. Those frames worked in 1952 for the Protestant uh, white consensus. And, of course, most of the Protestant white consensus just thought everybody was like us, and therefore this worked. But now those very frameworks by which we defend the authority of Scripture or understand how God works in the world or understand how to engage in culture, they don't work anymore because yeah, we're not work. in charge. Yeah. And so it's not, it's not the move from um, whoops, fundamentalism to um, progressivism that's the problem. It's that we stay within yes. the
1: same frame. Yeah. As I was saying earlier, we're in the same field. We just changed uniforms. Because we're still in. Can I write
0: that down? That's a brilliant quote. Yeah, yeah. Can we put that quote on the on the, <laughs> the on show notes? The show notes. Uh, yeah, I, I forget to call them show notes sometimes. Because uh, that I, would imply this is a show or something. <laughs> right. Podcast but, notes. Yeah,
1: but but we're operating in the same field. Nothing has changed other than you're just wearing a different team's uniform. Yeah. But we, what you're doing is you're questioning the field that we're playing on. You're saying we need to, we need to even look at the field that we're playing on and, and realize we're no we're no longer living in Christendom things have changed. So, you're a progressive Christian? Who cares?
0: Yeah, so I want to move the epistemology of the authority of scripture outside of this kind of propositional scientific, una epistemological frame that sees one universal way of knowing. Okay. And I want to say no. We know through narratives, we know through histories, and we need to understand that other people are living in other histories. Mm-hmm. And we need to be faithful to our own history, but at the same time dialogue with other histories. I know that was a bit complex,
1: what yeah. I just said. It's, it sounds relativistic to some people. Some people are, are going to say that's a progressive
0: Yeah, and there's nothing I can really do about that at the present time except to staunchly resist anyone who thinks I'm a relativist because I don't think it means that I'm saying that anything that I believe in is any less true. It just means that I am within a cultural linguistic framework that needs either translation or working itself out over time for the truth and meaning of it, not only to make full sense of it to me, but to others in the world. Outside in other frameworks, is that too complex? That is yeah. really. I no, think that, we're getting so thick. That was we're Losing good. people. That was good. Folks, Bring are it you back still in. out there? Bring it back. Are you in. still listening? Okay. Please don't turn it off. So I want a deeper, more chastened, theological, history-driven sense of the authority of the way Scripture works. It's good.
1: And who would you recommend that people read? Hans Fry. Hans Fry. Uh, the shape. The, the shape of the. Oh, yeah, the eclipse of the biblical narrative the
0: eclipse of narrative of of the biblical narrative and and what Hans Frey shows is we got so hung up on historical critical exegesis and a scientific historical understanding of scripture we lost that scripture is a narrative of what how God has come to a specific people in a specific mm-hmm. time and revealed himself over time to people in not only the nation of Israel but now those of us in Christ who've been grafted on the church and so this is not some kind of a universal propositional knowledge. This can this can only be understood as we enter in, live it, grow in it, get discipled in it, know God in and through who He is and what He's done through Scripture, and then live it in the rest of the world. It's good. Boy, yeah. I feel like we've gone really deep in this podcast. No, it's going good. I hope people are, not, are still with us. And the second thing is I want us to have an understanding of the way God works that gets beyond this... Uh, this hierarchical reformed sovereignty of God understanding where God is this big boss and, and he's in charge of every little, like, like the fact that I bumped my mic a few minutes ago. Was that God? Yeah. and, And, Okay, that's an overstatement and, and my reform friends are gonna get on neo reform friends are gonna get on me for making fun of the doctrine of sovereignty of God. But I think no, we need to understand it is through God's presence that he chooses to enter the world yeah. and work in and through suffering. And this is why evil is is here. I mean, this is why God allows evil. So, you know, Greg Boyd is my go to book there. Yeah. The cruciform God. Wait, no.
1: Yeah. Is that is Oh, no, I, I think you're thinking of Michael Gorman. Um, yeah. Um, uh, um, God, I uh, books sorry, Greg. Uh, Greg,
0: by the way, has just come on faculty <laughs> at Northern Seminary, and I forgot the name of his we And we are a big fan of him. Um,
1: <laughs> but he he has a book, uh, two huge volumes. Are you blanking on the title, I too? D- I can see the title. And you're it's, so young, and you're blanking I know. it. I oh. Okay, so anyhow, uh, look at Greg Boyd's program here, but also read some Greg Boyd uh, Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but understand the sovereignty of God. Look, we got to work this out. We got to work how God works through his presence. We have been so uh, f- you know, fixated on this concept of sovereignty out of a hierarchical medieval reformed world where John Calvin came from that we simply can't understand the fullness of his presence. And it is, folks, from the first chapter of the Bible to the end how God works uh, through,
1: through uh, his presence in the world. Let's keep rolling here. You got, we got two other things that we want people to—we're going to, late on this podcast yeah, t- to rethink through.
0: Um, so I want us to understand uh, biblical authority in a more narrative, uh, storied, uh, historical sense. I want us to understand that God works not through worldly power hierarchy where he controls everything that can happen in the world and, and can just renounce evil just by by fiat. But no, he works through his presence and allows human freedom. But I also want us to understand that um um, we got to engage culture. Uh, we no longer have culture with a big C, like I like to teach in theology, church, and culture. We have cultures with little c, plural. And uh, what this means is we've got to engage contextually and try to engage all things. So we cannot understand. I believe the, pro- the progressive uh, evangelical or Christian or whatever you want to call them, Their view on sexuality is just the flip side of the evangelical fundamentalist. Sure. There's no there's no way to both reflect on where we failed in our views of marriage as a church and also to kind of open up space to understand the frames by which we're. And that's a cultural issue. We're not understanding the layers of culture that we need to engage in terms of all these things. So we just do these by fiat. Either it's all good or it's all bad. Gay, uh, gay, lesbian sexuality is all bad or gay, lesbian sexuality is all all good. good. And we never open the conversation. So this means we must break out of and disrupt the frames. Yes. Okay, I've done a lot of talking. We both have. I I, repeat. I repent. And by the way, just as I said that, the, <laughs> the, microphone the, the mic flipped, and I thought, my goodness, that's the Holy Spirit. But <laughs> telling me, I need to shut up.
1: Now you're now you're throwing the charismatic Pentecostal in us. bus. Um, so can you summarize this whole mess that we've been talking about? Oh, I don't know if I can summarize the whole mess, but I would say this. What we're trying to do is we're trying to question the frames that people are operating in. The, some of the invisible frames that they're operating in. And we're saying we, we need to step back and be a little more nuanced and discerning, as opposed to just flipping from one side to another side. Yeah. We, we need to think more about how we talk about God's presence. We need to think more about how we talk about uh scripture and how we talk about the church's relationship to the kingdom and to and culture. culture. And come to Northern, you could you could learn all these things. We need a little to plug up. right there.
0: Yeah, uh, I say and, and people who've listened to this podcast for 52 years know and have heard me <laughs> say this before. And Rachel Held Evans, I've never met you, but I think you're great. Uh, but here's what I say about you every once in a while. I'm just trying to make a point. Yeah. I go give give Rachel Held Evans 10 years, and she'll be an Anabaptist.
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't I don't necessarily agree with that because all the people I know who have gone down the evangelical fundamentalist route to the progressive Christians, they're not becoming Anabaptist. Why not? They're, they're just kind of remaining culturally Christian. See,
0: for me, my progressive evangelicalism, Protestant liberalism, all those categories... They couldn't. They couldn't get me through what I had to get right. through.
1: I think. I think the difference, though, is that you might have remained in a church and with a community of people who are challenging and discipling you, or m- maybe
0: not. But um, I was in. I was in a church that was um, a church plant from Moody Bible Institute. Okay. Right, and right. yet, I was trying to figure out my theology after having evangelical fundamentalism really. Uh, fall apart for me right and i was at northwestern doing a phd and uh you know that's that's orthodox liberalism to the nth degree sure. there sure and it wasn't s- helping me sort out my life both as a christian a person trying to sort out relationships trying to live i was a financial services executive mm-hmm. all the struggles it was not getting me yeah, through it doesn't work It. It wasn't helping me, and there was this guy named Stanley Hauerwas who heard appeared on the scene, and I started to resort all my categories and become what I'm now is a neo anabaptist Evangelical
1: Holiness Missional <laughs>
0: Theologian.
1: But, it's a lot of words there, but I, I, I would say I don't think most people, or at least in my, most of my peers, I, mean, I, I mostly hang out with people in between the age of 18 and 35. Yeah. I don't think most of them are going after um, books by Stanley Howard and reading them. So I think, it, I think it's incumbent upon them to potentially read those books or to read those books, but I think it's more incumbent upon churches, pastors, people to mentor younger people who are going through these questions. And to lead them into this new, well, I'll call it a new space, yes. although it's the next space. It's the space beyond. Right, because we need to be actually working these things out in person as opposed to what I'm so used to is hey, I read this blog post and I listened to this podcast, and now I've changed everything I think and believe in the way I'm gonna live my life.
0: Well, you know, we gotta bring this thing to a close because we because we could go on. And and I just wanna say I got in July I got a book coming out. Plugged. The Church of Us versus Them. Cha-ching. Originally I wanted to call it Beyond Enemies. And that book, as well as is, uh, everything we do here, I think pushes us towards and beyond these frames so that we can yes. engage the
1: world with the gospel. Yeah, and we want to encourage pastors to be doing that in your local churches
0: so if we've if we've caused more uh questions to be asked and more confusion to arise in your soul from this podcast stick with us yep we're going to come back again and again and again to try to sort these things out for people who are trying to live in a culturally engaged way as christians for the gospel
1: yeah that's it um Last thing is that book we were trying to remember is called Crucifixion of the Warrior God. Did you look it up on the internet? Yeah, when I looked it up on my phone while you were talking. Um, Thank the Lord for internet. Yes. Wow. Uh, that's it. That, folks. That's my only thing.
0: Folks, uh, we don't have time to do. Uh, no anything else we don't have time to do the book thing what are you reading we don't have time to do fitch uh, versus fitch we don't have any of that we don't time, time for anything we don't have time sorry but it's been great being with you on another theology on mission podcast here in the
1: griffith sound studio at Southern northern Thu- seminary the
0: new northern seminary we want to invite you to give us a review if you possibly can after uh, what you've been through this last yeah. half hour in this podcast yeah. we're proud of you you made it And uh, we love you, and we'll see you next time. It's over and out from Northern Seminary. Dave Fitch and Mike Moore. So long. Cheerio.